Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus. You can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Welcome to the Sixer Sense Podcast, hosted by co-site experts Lucas Johnson and Christopher Klein. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of our podcast. I'm Lucas, I've got Chris and Uri here. We have another reoccurring guest returning, of course, Jonathan Guybe of our website, The Sixer Sense. Jonathan, we just got done watching that that terrible Hornets game, man. How are you feeling? I know Uri is feeling a little tough, rough right now, but how are you feeling? Tough loss. They struggled throughout, the, uh, throughout that game. I think the difference happened at the end of the half and then the start of the third when the Hornets went on that run. And that twin tower lineup at the end, I don't know. It just, I didn't hate it, but it wasn't working. And tough, tough loss to deal with coming, uh, coming right onto the pod. For sure. Yeah. Uri, do you want to air out any grievances in a PG friendly way? I have nothing to say. Okay. That's what I thought. Okay. <laughs> Chris, how about we just jump into the game then? Yeah. Let's do it. Um, 109 98 Charlotte was the final score. The Hornets were pretty much ahead for most of the night. Um, Philly had moments in that second half where they made it interesting, where they had some runs, but Charlotte ma- managed to maintain its distance pretty consistently. You know, Gordon Hayward was, I guess, the big standout. He had 30 points, 13 to 16 from the field, didn't miss a single shot in the first half. Um, you know, 22 from Rogier, 21 from Miles Bridges, 13, 7, and 8 for LaMelo. So pretty well-rounded effort from them. Uh, this is Phillies again, first loss in eight nights or eight games. So, John, what were some of your big takeaways? You thought that Philly would put out a better effort with this win streak that they're riding, but Charlotte, like, kept coming. And in the fourth quarter, when you just needed to get a stop, the Sixers couldn't. The defense was struggling, like, couldn't get any defensive boards. They were getting the offensive boards, but it just – it was surprising to see uh, – Charlotte seemed to have control of the game pretty much throughout. Well, I, I will say one silver lining is Joel Embiid's 30-point uh, streak has continued with 31 on pretty efficient shooting yet again tonight. Seven turnovers, not ideal. But, I mean, to be fair, his teammates were not helping him out in the least bit in, on some of those. Um, first game back for Maxi. Maxi struggled, looked a little rusty. 4-13 from the field, 2-4 from downtown, so that's not bad. But he kind of not decided not to shoot any more three-pointers for most of the game after a hot start. I will say this, two things that I thought of here. One, Joel is now not uh, does not have an unblemished record against the uh, Hornets anymore because he was 13-0 before this game against the Hornets. Um, so that's a little disappointing. 
The other thing that I see here is that this is a game in which a prime example of Philly's lack of size on the perimeter can really be exposed by the right team. Because you think about the Hornets. They have three two-way wings on that roster. And, I mean, one of them didn't even play. But you have Gordon Hayward, Miles Bridges, and usually you have uh, Kelly Oubre coming off the bench. They, he didn't even play. If he played, it probably would have been a much worse uh, outcome for the Sixers. They have a decent defensive guy. In my, uh, is it Mason? Yeah, Mason. I was about to say Miles Plumley. No, he hasn't been in the league forever. Um, Mason Plumley, who has had moments against Joel where he hasn't looked like a terrible defender. And uh, Terry Rozier, small guard. Small guards give Sixers problems in the past, and this was no exception. So um, they're definitely a more well-built team, in my opinion, in terms of overall like depth and ability to have a diversity of offensive weapons versus the Sixers. Because if you can shut down Maxi and or Harris, it's going to be a rough night for the Sixers. Because, I mean, Seth Curry, he can have moments, but he also has games like this where he only scores 10 points on seven shots. So, uh, yeah, that's that's how I feel about it, guys. I mean, Korkmaz had a decent game with 14 points, but not enough. There are long stretches where it felt like Joel was the only one who really showed up tonight. And, um, you know, you're not going to have seven, eight game win streaks all the time. They get got to end at some point. So it's certainly not cause for panic. Charlotte's one of the better teams Philly has played lately. They've had a bit of a soft spot in the schedule here. And yeah, like Tobias, it's like a processing speed issue. He's just not making smart plays fast enough. It's not really a shoulder issue watching him. It's just these are problems that have been with Tobias his entire career. Um, and yeah, like Joel, Furkan, outside of them, the guys really didn't show up. Closing with Drummond for like six, seven minutes in that final stretch in my opinion, it was pretty stupid. Like, it didn't work. It didn't make a lot of sense against this particular Charlotte team. I don't really see the reason for it. Um, that's a very difficult duo to pull off, especially with a team that can do as much as Charlotte can offensively. So I, I thought that was just a bad decision from Doc, not really an interesting or, like, it's just a bad decision. Again, Charlotte plays a lot of zone. They played a lot of zone tonight. Sixers can never beat the zone for some reason. I don't think it's really entirely a personnel issue at this point. Like that, They have to be better at that. That's coaching. That comes back to Doc Rivers for not having the right game plan. So Doc has to be better. And, yeah, Joel needs more help. Um, you know, we can talk about the refs. There's some interesting whistles tonight. But, like, the Sixers really didn't play well they were sloppy even Joel had seven turnovers so it wasn't a perfect Joel game by any stretch and Charlotte just outplayed him in pretty much every respect Philly didn't really deserve to win or anything so even those comeback efforts just fell flat um so yeah that, that's where I'm at with it um but in your opinion John just looking forward for this Charlotte team they're they're 23 and 19 now I believe pretty exciting group um, how good can they be moving forward, do you think, with guys like Lamella Ball and Miles Bridges really taking that next step? They have a lot of really good young talent that um, they need at least one or two to develop into, like, very great stars or superstars. But at this point, like, they're, they do have a high ceiling. Like, as you said, Lamella Ball, they got P.J. Washington, Miles Bridges, all of them are under 23 years old. Like, that's a 
absolute squad that has the ability to grow. You've seen talent out of them in Sparks. And then with Gordon Hayward and Terry Rozier, they both have playoff experience, including conference finals experiences with Boston. And that kind of knowledge is invaluable and, and they can impart it on those young guys. I think that in one, two, three years, I mean, they could be like maybe like the Atlanta Hawks were last year and just kind of surprise people if everything clicks. But I, uh, I definitely think they have a high ceiling and they're well-structured right now on the roster. Plan your work and work your plan. For many athletes, saying such as this could be considered scripture. Permanent signposts lining the long road to success in sports. For some, the very act of pursuing a career in sports can give a sense of control, a sense of safety, so long as you stick to the plan. That is until life happens. Blindsided is a podcast about sports, mental health, and life. Hosted by former NHL goalie Corey Hirsch and psychiatrist Dr. Diane McIntosh, the podcast will share and analyze the moments for a variety of athletes when everything changed for them and what happened when it did. The podcast lets listeners hear these athletes describe moments when mental health became the most important focus in their lives. Blindsided then dives in deeper. It gets clinical and it allows listeners to leave with an understanding of the different varieties of mental health challenges people face, why they appear, and how athletes in particular face them down. Blindsided is a podcast not only for people who follow sports, but also for those who don't. And now, back to the Sixer Sense. I think they're one legit, like, above-average starting center away from being dangerous. Like I wouldn't be surprised if they were active, if they tried to get like Sabonis or Turner in the, in the, um, at the trade deadline, they seem like a prime candidate. They could do it with the co- young players that they have in the con- movable contracts. I mean, really you could just swap Rogier, uh for one of them and bam, you got it. And you got the formula. Cause I mean, Rogier is nice, but you do not need Rogier to be successful. I, I like, you know, you throw maybe PJ Washington and Rozier, you could get either Sabo- plus picks, you could get Sabonis or Turner, depending on who who tickles your fancy more. Um, so I, I think they're close. I think they'll they'll make noise in the first round. They might get to the second round, but I don't see them pass the second round at this point. Miles Bridges has been the biggest surprise. Um, I don't think anybody saw this coming. Um, and... <laughs> LaMelo Ball is going to be a superstar. He's already one of the most famous players in the league just by brand and name recognition alone. Gordon Hayward is a very underrated veteran to have on your team. He's not an all-star like he used to be, but gosh, he is, he's really nice to have on your team. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I mean, they this is uh, plenty of flexibility to make moves in the future to get better, as you both said. Um, there really isn't a better league pass team when they're clicking Charlotte's really fun to watch. Um, you know, LaMelo, Terry Rozier. I, before the pod, Uriah was talking about how much he hates Terry Rozier. I, I love Terry Rozier. <laughs> it's fun to watch. Um, so we have different opinions there. Um, as you said, they're really balanced. They have a lot of good wings, which is really useful in the modern NBA. Mason Plumlee is like a really clever, interesting multifaceted offensive center who I don't think gets enough credit for what he does. So they have a lot going for him. I, I, they're right neck and neck with Philly in the standings right now. They're going to be a playoff team this year. 
and I, I don't think they're gonna like make a ton of noise. They're probably not getting out of the first round yet, but they're they're a really fun team to watch moving forward. And underrated thing, they have Kelly Oubre coming off the bench. Kelly Oubre would be a starter for half teams in the league. He had a rough season in Golden State last year, I'll grant you that, but the year before in Phoenix was spectacular. He's a really good six man. I would say arguably he could be in the top five, uh, you know, race for six man of the year just because he's so good. So having him coming off the bench too is another valuable asset that that Charlotte team has. So there's been a couple of recent reports coming out about Ben Simmons. We're going to first start with the athletics report by Sam Emick. And it reads, uh, the message has been sent that Ben Simmons would be ready to play after a few weeks of intensified conditioning and court action. But plenty of questions remain about who he will be as a player in the future. Um, that was followed up by a report from Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN, where it was uh, reported that both Ben Simmons' agent, Rich Ho- um, not Rich Hoffman, Rich Paul, sorry, Rich Hoffman, don't mean to put you in the same company there. Um, Rich Paul, Ben's agent of Clutch Sports, met with Sixers uh, front brass, including Daryl Morey, had a very amicable dinner in a downtown place in Philly. Both stood firm in their stances that the Sixers weren't going to trade Ben unless a package for an all-star caliber player was in return. And Paul made it clear that Ben's psychological health makes it impossible for him to play right now and that he still would like to be traded this season. So let me ask you guys this. What are you guys' thoughts about both of those reports? Yeah, I'll just tackle Sam's uh, first. I think that there's a very fine line on, like, the balance of him coming back. I mean, if you just take it completely at a basketball standpoint, take out all the feelings, emotions, stuff like that, his defensive ability and basketball IQ definitely benefits this team. Like, that's just from a skills perspective. But – you can't just look at it that way. Like naturally there is chemistry. And I think every player on this team is kind of expected that he would never come back. So trying to form him back into this locker room, I genuinely think would be almost impossible. If somehow the players can get over that and the coaching staff thinks that they're like, Daryl doesn't want to make a move before the trade deadline. Cause there's not value. And the coaching staff thinks like we have to work him back in, or maybe Ben doesn't want to take fines for the whole year. I mean, if they somehow think they can balance it and the ceiling is what we all thought this team could be last year, like potential championship level, then maybe you do it. But I, like that to me is a complete pipe dream. I don't see that happening. So I, I just think it's very tough because I think that most people want to move him before the trade deadline, because if they don't, this becomes a real possibility of Ben not wanting to sit out the whole year and, management might think it's better to wait until the off season to get a deal. So it, it's just, you got to walk such a fine line. If anyone can do it though, maybe Daryl can. So we're, we're getting a lot of mixed signals. I feel like at this point, like different reports kind of giving off different ideas about where Ben is at, where Daryl Morey is at, etc. My general idea stance is that we're just going to see a lot of posturing between now and February 10th. Whatever comes out on February 9th, February 10th, that's what we should really have to worry about. I don't think we're going to get a ton of new information until closer to the deadline. I think that's when something big is going to happen, if it does happen or doesn't happen. Um, I'm with you, John. I I really think a trade should happen by the deadline. I I don't think there's a ton of benefit to dragging this out, but we'll 
we shall see. And for context, um, what, what, when uh, Chris mentions Tobias Harris, there has been reports stating that the Sixers have been trying to find a two uh, teams to take on Tobias Harris as well as Ben Simmons. The reason for that, from what I understand, is because it would expand the pool of players that the Sixers could trade for. They could trade for power forward, like maybe example, John Collins, if Tobias is moved. And we'll talk about John Collins here in a little bit for sure. I actually am in favor of waiting till the off season. So like, I know that it doesn't benefit this team now and this, and this would kind of be like a wasted season. But I think that like Woj said that they're not, that people around the league are saying that Daryl's price has actually gone up. And yeah, I, I, I heard that too. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I'm under the impression that Daryl's not going to take it like uh, a trade prior to the deadline. I just don't see that happening based on how many more options he would have around the draft in the offseason. And unfortunately, I think that's what's going to happen. But I think in the long run, it'll benefit the Sixers just be at the expense of this season. That's fair. I, I, I don't know if I agree with the more options part. Like, I, they seem to have. Plenty of teams interested right now. Teams are at their most desperate, generally at the trade deadline. I, I mean, waiting till draft nights. An interest. Unless your Sixers aren't going to trade Ben for like the number five pick, though. You know, but you know what they could do is do a sign and trade, agree to a sign and trade for Bradley Beal, who's you know could potentially be a free agent, and having more roster flexibility oh. and money flexibility could Here's be the thing, idea. With Beal and Harden and all those future hypotheticals, those are still like completely hypothetical and B whoever you get back for Ben or whatever package you get back for Ben can still be flipped for James Harden or Bradley Beal and expanded upon and added to whatnot when the summer comes. Like, I don't think trading Ben for, let's say, you know, whoever John Collins, Tyrese Halliburton and a bunch of picks would mean the Sixers can just never get James Harden. If he wants to come to Philly, if he wants to, they can still make that happen. I'm sure Brooklyn would be fine with John Collins and picks in a sign and trade. You know what I mean? So I, I, I don't really get the need to wait. If that's what Daryl thinks is best, he's smarter than me. But I feel like something probably should happen by the deadline. All right. So we're going to talk about Tobias. Um, as you said, Lucas, there were reports from Brian Winhorst and Mark Spears over at ESPN that the Sixers have begun to attach Tobias to Ben in different trade packages. It does seem, as you said, like part of it is just, you know, on a team-by-team basis, depending on what deal makes the best, the most sense. Part of it is wanting to expand the pool of possible players you could get back for Ben. You know, the John Collinses, the Harrison Barnes, the DeMontis Sabonises of the world. They make a lot more sense if you don't also have Tobias Harris on the roster. But to you first, John, how challenging would it be for the Sixers to move both Ben and Tobias before the deadline or even next off? Uh, In the same deal, I think it's just almost impossible. I think that um, there has to be, obviously, it's multi-team, like three or four-team trade, but it would be extremely complicated. Again, Daryl's someone who can figure out that. He is smarter than all of us and everyone in the league, but I don't uh, see that happening like together, Ben and Tobias. I, I would say that you would probably have to do two separate uh, trades, but if you're looking for some team to take on Tobias, um, I saw a hypothetical somewhere either, you know, you do a John Wall trade and John Wall's the sixth man. I forgot where it was that on our Slack feed or was that somewhere else? 
Uh, it might have been somewhere else. Yeah. Uh, the other one is, and this is my personal ideal situation. You send him in a deal to OKC. OKC has the cap room for him right now. They would only have to send back one player, and they would still be under the cap. Uh, to put that into perspective for you, that is how low below the cap they are. I think they're about 35 mil, and Tobias makes about 36 mil. So... That you know, Tobias probably wouldn't impact their winning all that much, and they could have a you know placeholder at the power forward position for a while while the team's still developing their other young players. I I don't hate it. You you Sixers would probably have to send a first or you you know something to make OKC do it, but they've done it before. Why not now? Yeah, I don't know. I mean. I don't think OKC wants anything to do with Harris, but like you said, John, I mean, I don't think anyone really wants much to do with Harris right now, especially with like the shoulder issue doesn't make it any better. He's having a really bad season by his standards. Um, his contract is just a third. If, you know, I, there was a report the other day about some teams maybe viewing CJ McCollum as a negative trade asset if they're viewing cj mccollum as a negative trade asset they are certainly viewing tobias harris as a negative trade asset at this point that's been the case since he first like signed the dotted line i don't think anyone's mm-hmm. ever been like that's a great contract i want to trade for it so yeah i together that's you're trying to move like 70 million dollars between two guys it's just really hard to do not many you know it, it's hard hard for any team to do it much less when one of the guys hasn't played in a year and the other guy is pretty bad relative to his dollar sign amount so um oh i will let me ask you guys this hypothetical because i wrote on it recently would you do tobias harris to dallas for tim hardaway jr and maxi kleber you might have to send a protected first but would you do it yeah, like of course. Yeah, but Dallas. Yep. Dallas doesn't. Dallas hangs up the phone. You know. I, I mean, but I, no. I think about it though. They get a legit third option between behind Giannis and Porzingis. They can embrace the small ball with you know Porzingis at the five and Tobias but at the four. You're paying seventy million to Tobias Harris and Kristaps Porzingis, who aren't defending a traffic cone, and I don't <laughs> think it makes you that much better. You're right. Where's Where's the sound? Where's the sound? That was funny. Uh, it's too late now it's too late now anyway but no no it's true though you're not wrong i'm just saying offensively would make sense for them i'm not sure defensively i didn't really think about the defensive side but you know at least toby and Bobby would be reunited yeah so i mean i mean in your guys opinion john you can go first again is it even worth trying to move harden or harris pardon me harden i'd love to move harden but um, is it even worth trying to move Harris? Like, did the, is there any way where a Harris trade really benefits the Sixers with where his contract is right now? Does it make them a better team? Is is it worth exploring? I don't think so. I mean, it again, it depends what the team wants. If you think you can get something back for Harris and Simmons isn't going to play, and you want to try and make a run at it now because Embiid is playing like the best ball maybe he's ever played, then go for it. If you think that that's a possibility, but. In reality, I just don't – and it may be a hot take. Like, I know Tobias is not playing well, and obviously his contract is enormous. But I think being asked to step into, like, the second option shoes because he 
was able to kind of play behind Embiid and Ben and not be awful as a third option. Obviously, there were times last year when we thought like he could definitely pay, play better, and and this year it's been more exposed. But I think that if somehow Simmons did come back in the second half of the season, I think Tobias would go back to feeling a little more comfortable in the third person role. And I just don't see the need. I, I get that underperforming and huge contract, those are clearly the two like prominent factors. But to me, I don't think that they need to make this push right now. I would disagree saying that he was the third option behind Ben and Joel because clearly he was still the second scoring option. But in terms of responsibilities outside of scoring, yeah, no, I, I get that. Um, would I try? Is it worth trying to trade him? Yet again, it depends. Like, who's calling? Like Chris said, CJ McCollum's viewed as a negative trade asset right now. Could you get a you know Portland tr- team? you know, t- trending towards the lottery, maybe to shake things up, give up on CJ and see if you can try the, you know, swing a, you know, swing a deal. I mean, they, they don't have a strong front office right now with Neil O'Shea gone. Why not try the swindle them? I would. Um, it just depends on who's available. I guess that's part of it. And who calls? I mean, probably nobody will call. But, I mean, it wouldn't hurt. But would I spend a lot of energy doing it? No. Yeah. I mean, how I look at it is I wouldn't really be focused. And it doesn't seem like the Sixers are focused on this. But I I wouldn't try to use Ben as just the way to offload Harris. I'd focus on getting the best possible player back for Ben um, before I even worried about Tobias. But, like, of course you should call. And I'd – there are a great many packages out there that I would accept for Tobias right now. I, I he, like tonight is a prime example of games where Tobias is just actively harming the team because he can't process the game quick enough. So there, there are certainly packages I would take. I think getting off of his contract for smaller, more manageable chunks would be awesome. I just don't know if other teams out there are willing to do that. And a lot of any like sensible hair trades are just going to be swapping his bad contract for another bad contract or other bad contracts. And like, like I'm Tobias is bad. I'm not trading him for John wall just because walls 40 million is off the books after next season. Like there is a line you really don't need to cross because he is still helping you win games. You're trying to make a run at the championship. So here's a crazy thought. Tobias Harris for buddy healed and Marvin Bagley jr. Yeah, like that doesn't make the Sixers better. And Heald's a really bad contract. Bagley's going to be out of the league in three years. So I, I mean, uh, I don't know. I, I mean, if your eye was here, I think your eye would be on board with it. Uh, but let's let's go ahead and I'm going to take over this next segment for Uriah. Benny the Ben Benny the dog, not Ben Simmons, is uh, causing Uriah a little bit of problems here. But we're just going to jump into it, guys. We're going to do some "Would you rather" for Ben Simmons pairing, uh, you know, trading for Ben Simmons. Would you rather have player A or player B? So, Jonathan, you're going to ju- start off with it. Chris, you're going to follow up, and then I'll finish it up, and we'll do "Would you rather." Okay. So first, Jonathan. DeJounte Murray or Tyrese Halliburton? I'm going to go with DeJounte Murray. I think he is a pure point guard, which is what we want. He averages more points, rebounds, and assists than Halliburton. And I think he 
I, I think this year he's just been severely underrated. He controls the game extremely well when you watch the Spurs play, and he doesn't shoot the three as well as Tyrese, but overall his his game from top to bottom, I'd rather have him. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. I, I would say Tyrese just because Ooh. he is like a, a genuinely elite shooter at this point, and uh, he's becoming a much more dynamic offensive player this stretch of the season here. I. He's just really one of the smartest guys in the league already, which is not that common for 21, 22-year-olds. Um, he really processes the game at a high level, and he, he's not on DeJounte's level as a facilitator yet. He's not an on-ball scorer like DeJounte. He's not quite on DeJounte's level defensively, but he's really good across the board. And I I think he's just a better fit with the other Tyrese, who is currently in Philadelphia, and with Joel in that and with Tobias, who's still going to be here. So I, I think I'd lean towards Tyrese because I, I don't think he's that that far behind DeJounte as a player. And in Philly, I don't think DeJounte would have the freedom to do all the things he can do in San Antonio right now. So I, I think Albert's a better complementary piece in that sense. I guess for me, it would depend on who's available along with those players. Now, if you say for Tyrese, you give me Harrison Barnes and whatever else, Okay, that's pretty good. But if you say, for example, with Murray, you give me Murray and say Keldon Johnson and whatever contracts you need to make it work because they're both still on rookie deals. I'm I'm hate to say it, I'm gonna I'm gonna agree with Chris on here. I, I think trading for Tyrese gives you more give gives you the ability to fill out your roster needs more because I really like having the idea of having Harrison Barnes on this roster. Because he fills the need for, you know, he's a good two-way player, and he fills the need for perimeter defense. Desperately need outside of, uh, you know, Matisse Thibel, who's kind of short, to be honest. Like, I know he has a long wingspan, but, like, he is short. They need to have a tall, long wing. Um, so, anyway, let's go to our next one. Guys, the power forward edition of this. Are you ready? Would you rather have Jeremy Grant or John Collins? I'm going to go with John Collins. He's younger, and I think he has a little bit more upside. And one thing that's incredible is he improved. he's been in the league five years. He's improved his three-point percentage shot from 34% to 43%. Like, that's unheard of. 9% increase in five years, and he knows what he needs to work on. He's focusing on his areas of improvement. He could stretch the floor a little better than I think Jeremy with uh, paired with Embiid. So I'd go Collins. Yeah, I've been going back and forth on this one over the past few weeks uh, or days, not week. Um, I, I think I've kind of talked myself into John Collins for the reasons that John said, just a more interesting offensive player um, next to Joel. I, I, I mean, defensively, he's picked it up a lot lately. Jeremy Grant's a better defender and a more versatile guy who can go out on the perimeter, check guards sometimes, switch around, etc. But Collins is a really good, like, weak side rim protector. He's going to make plays for you on that side of the ball. He's going to give you a lot of rebounding, which is a big issue for the Sixers right now. You can play him at center when Joel sits. And I don't think it would be a repeat of, like, the Al Horford thing. I I think John's a much cleaner fit next to Joel. He's much more of a play finisher, whereas Al Horford kind of needs the ball in his hands at different points Mm -hmm. to do what he does best. So I'll say John Collins. I'll say John Collins, too. You bring up the rebounding issues for the Sixers, which is a big deal. Jeremy Grant is not a rebounder. What, 
three to five rebounds a game, somewhere in that range for his career. So, yeah, I would definitely take John Collins the offensively. I think he would be a great running mate for uh, Tyrese. Having somebody that dynamic in the pick and roll with him on the starting five would certainly help Tyrese develop a lot more. Um, And it takes Joel away from the pick and roll, which we all know is not his forte, though he has been trying to do better with it recently. I'll give him credit on that. The defensive issues are a concern because John Collins is kind of pigeonholed into that. I can defend power forwards pretty good, but that's about it. Tobias Harris, we've seen it before. He struggles guarding small forwards. We saw when Al Horford was here. But do you take that risk? I I think I do. I think I do. It does give you more height on the perimeter, if nothing else. And offensively, I, I just see Collins as a much more complete offensive player than Jeremy Grant. And he provides a little bit more defense at the power forward position and rebounding, which I think can't be understated as a major need for the Sixers. So I'm going to agree w- with you guys there, too. Um, next one, the tale of the point guards who have not quite lived up to expectations as of late. We got D'Angelo Russell and De'Aaron Fox. Who you got, John? I'm going D'Angelo Russell, which might Mm. be against the grain a little bit. But, I mean, obviously Fox has the quickness that's, like, at the top of the league. He plays well when he's got the ball in his hands. But the three-point shooting is 24% this year, and it's that's just abysmal. Like, Russell isn't a great, like, that much better. He's shooting 35. I mean, it's much better than Fox, but it's below the league average. I just think he's more of a threat of possibly having a potential shot. And with the Ben Simmons saga in my rearview mirror, I just want at least the threat or the possibility that my point guard can take a shot and the other team have to respect him. So I'm going to go Russell. D'Angelo Russell to me is pretty much the Tobias Harris of point guards. So <laughs> I'm taking De'Aaron Fox. I, oh, I, get, gosh. I think Russell looks great on paper. I, I just don't think it works out as well as we always wanted to. Fox has his issues. He's had a down year relative to what we've seen from him in the past. He doesn't space the floor, like you said, John. But end of the day, I, I think Fox is just a drastically better player, a better talent. He has more room to grow than Russell. He's an explosive athlete. Still, he's going to put a ton of pressure on the rim, create for others. The three-point shot is an issue, but it, he does hit a few threes a game or a couple threes a game. It's it's not like he's not taking anything out there. And he's a better defender than Russell, so I, I'm going to go with Fox here. So, first off, what Chris said that he's looks good on paper reminded me, because everybody should read this article. Chris recently wrote a, you know, Tyrese Maxey ranking against other starting point guards, and I believe, Chris... Correct me if I'm wrong, but you had Maxi ahead of uh, D'Angelo Russell on your list, right? Uh, yeah, I did. Yeah, okay. I, I don't. I mean, it's an arguable point. I'll move on from that. Um, I will say that for me personally, I'm going to go with Jonathan on this. I think spacing matters um, on this team. Uh, I'm gonna. Guys, I'm go- it's not a spacing thing. It's it it is. It is. The thing is, D'Angelo Russell has proven he can play with other point guards. Yes, Fox can't like Halliburton has become strictly a a shooting guard when he plays with with uh Fox and and, Russell's a better fit but he's just a drastically worse player like there's a certain divide there in ability I don't think he's a drastic 
drastically worse player? Like right now, I would have yeah. Fox as like an like a B plus player, and I would have maybe D'Angelo Russell, Russell as Russell like a B or B minus player. Russell is as ball dominant, if not more ball dominant than Fox. But he was able to play with Dinwiddie pretty well on the those Brooklyn teams that made noise a couple years ago. He did, but him and Tyrese is not some perfect idyllic fit. That duo's not going to guard very many people on the perimeter. They're not. That's true. Like, like I, I don't think. But I don't think I don't think Fox would fix those problems either. Yeah, between him and Halliburton, like significantly better defender. Fox is not like a bad, bad defender, and he's much longer than Russell. I, I, I don't know. I, 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 I'd rather take my chances on Russell, Chris. I, I'm going to agree with Jonathan on We've, this. <laughs> Russell's had like two different teams now, Golden State, Minnesota. It hasn't worked out at either place. Like, I, I, How much more do we need to see from him? Agree to disagree. I don't think he's been terrible for Minnesota. I mean, he's had a down shooting year, but a lot of players he's not have had terrible. But he's just not anywhere near Fox, in my opinion. I, I think they're on different tiers. But again, okay, just me. <laughs> well, I mean, with Joel, it is about fit because he is such a unique talent. You need to make sure you fit players around him in order. Yeah, to maximize. And Russell's like a pick and roll ball dominant guard. I don't think that's a great fit. I don't think they're playing off. But of so is Fox. Great. You literally just described Fox, though. Fox is also a Rock, ball. Fox puts pressure on the rim. He creates more for others than Russell does. Like, I, I'm taking Fox there. Okay. Well, anyway, let's go ahead and move on and go to the veteran point guards who did not or ha- still have not played for most of the season. And, Jonathan, who would you rather have, John Wall or Kyrie Irving in a Ben Simmons trade? I'm going John Wall, and I think that what? Oh my God! <laughs> what? If, if Explain you want, yourself. If you want to have an, if you want to have an interesting segment, I think you should bring me on another week, and you can do which player wouldn't you take over Kyrie? We could go through like whoa. Okay, I'm tempted. Don't tempt me, Jonathan, because I'll do it. Let's go through all. Five, I think 540 people have played in the NBA at least one game this year, and we could go down the list, but. I want nothing. I want nothing to do with Kyrie. I don't want him any like. Okay, Chauncey says he's the most skilled basketball player or most skilled point guard. Like in terms of obviously, he's meaning like handles and stuff. He hit a huge shot in Game Seven, like one of the biggest ever in a Finals. Oh, welcome back, Uriah. Duly noted. All those things are duly noted. I I am. I don't want him in my locker room. I like again. Let me know if I you don't want. Disagree. Let me know I if do. you want me to pick other players. I like D'Angelo Russell over Kyrie. We'll, 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 we'll okay. do this in the off season. We'll save that for the off season. Okay, we'll save it for the off season. But let me let me say this. I don't disagree with you in the fact that I would not want Kyrie in my locker room. I mean, he complained about Nazir Little's, you know, hustle play, and he was okay. in the way. He like, no, he was being a little crybaby about that. Like, no, he's no, literally no. played, like, two games. No, no, no. Nazir he Little was going for the game. ball. He was going for the ball. That is a basketball play. He was not doing it out of malicious intent, Chris. No, 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 no. Yes, he no 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 don't don't no 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 me. I am being serious. I will fight you on this, Chris. He it was Lucas, a basketball play. There, there was no seconds, reason. There were three seconds on the shot clock. There was no play to be made on that ball after he saved it. And even if it was a justifiable basketball play, it was still a pretty dangerous one. Oh, so so we should we are we not allowed to dive now? Like everybody that's played basketball in middle the end. Goal there though he wasn't saving the ball to anyone. There was no play to be made after he dove. 
he dove randomly in the backcourt. Kyrie was jogging with his back to him. It was a dangerous play. Nah. Right or wrong, it was. It was. I get ask it. any NBA player, they would disagree with you, Chris. And actually, they did disagree with you on a recent episode of NBA Today. Kyrie Just is saying. a current NBA player, so I disagree with that. <laughs> um, look, yeah, I, I don't want either one of them. John Wall for contractual and ability reasons. Kyrie, again, like you said, John, it's there's a whole can of worms there that I just would rather not have to open in Philadelphia. I, I like on paper, Kyrie next to Joel is a beautiful thing, and he would probably be really great if he was on the floor and, and healthy and willing to play basketball, but I'm not a thousand percent sure we could get to that point even, so... But that's the point. Like he he's great if he's just playing basketball. And this isn't like a like a basketball players only play basketball. That's not like anything yeah. that I'm talking about. But I'm saying like there gets to a point, and I think it was similar with Antonio Brown. It's like when does your all field or locker room? That is a good comparison. It wasn't mine, but I just I like I just think that uh like when does your all field and like locker room presence overshadow your skill and. Those yeah. two, those two people are insanely talented. Like two of the most talented players in their respective sport. But like, I mean, there's absolutely nothing that would make me want Kyrie on my team. Yeah, I I think that's fair. I, like, if I had to like gun pointed at my head, pick one of these two, I guess I'd take the gamble on Kyrie just because I think he can be a superstar level player. And John Wall's cooked, but. Yeah, that's that's where I disagree with you. I'll go with Chris on that one. If gun pointed to my head and I had to choose one, I'd choose Kyrie, but I I'd rather not. <laughs> well, okay, so our last one here. I'm kind of surprised on one of the players on this one, Uri. So, but I, I, we're gonna go with it. I don't think it's likely at all. Like never, at least not right now. Um, I know I speculated on it like a couple months ago, but the you know his team is clearly be doing great so there's no anyway let, let me just do this guys who would you rather have donovan mitchell or jalen brown i want donovan mitchell i mean he's a superstar already and he plays his best when the lights are brightest like down in the bubble he was his coming out party and then last year in the playoffs he went off again and that's when he plays his best he's been a two-time all-star and compared to brown's one-time all-star and he plays in the tougher western conference where i mean Guard all-star selections are crazy hard. So, I mean, I'm going Mitchell. Yeah, it's tough. I, I I think Mitchell and Brown are of a caliber where you shouldn't really be too worried about, like, the fit with Tyrese Maxey because they're just so good that you should take the best one, I guess, which would be Mitchell. I think he's, like, a hair above Brown right now, but Brown is a few inches taller. I think he makes more sense defensively. Yeah, that's where I'm at, too. But... I mean, Donovan's a better playmaker for others. I, I, I think I just end up going with Donovan. I think I like Donovan more as a player and a leader and a guy who's just going to, like, I, I everyone in Philly would adore him within two days of his arrival, even if they despise him right now. So, um, yeah, like, hypothetically, give me Donovan Mitchell. Like you said, Lucas, I don't think we're at the point where Mitchell's going to ask out of Utah. We're maybe a season or two away from that. If the Jazz can't do anything, we'll see based on mm-hmm. the recent speculation. But um, I guess I'd probably lean towards Donovan. But Jalen Brown is awesome, and I would I would 
do a lot to have James Brown in Philly. I, I would not be unhappy. So, in a, you know, unrealistic world, yes, Donovan Mitchell would probably be my choice. However, we are in a realistic world, and it's much more likely the Celtics trade Jalen Brown versus the Utah Jazz trade or, you know, Donovan Mitchell forces his way out of Utah. That's right not now. the prompt, though. It's, I know. I'm, I, I mean, I told you who I'd rather, but in reality, I'm going to go with Jalen Brown just to be, so in you know. in reality, an, you prefer Jalen Brown. No, no. Right? I'm saying in more likely situation, it would be Jalen Brown. But if we're going in a fantasy you're world, that doesn't. more likely to like Jalen Brown. No. You are trying to twist my words, sir, and I do not appreciate that. No. I'm saying. It's if not, I okay, fine, fine, fine. I will say Donovan Mitchell. Okay, that's what you want me to say. I will say Donovan Mitchell. Yes, I would prefer to have Donovan Mitchell over Jalen Brown, but is it likely? No. Okay. Great. Okay. Thank you. Who do you think Philly dislikes more currently? Because I think the current answer would be oh. Jalen Brown because he plays in Boston. But like, if you uh, think back to think Spider Mitchell with all the Rookie of the Year stuff with Ben, I, I mean. I don't know. I think well, let, let's let's. Does anyone go, let's, really like Utah? Let, let me ask you this. Let me, let me let me let me even go back further. Do you think Philly fans would agree with Donovan Mitchell now with the whole entire Ben thing going on? No, he was wrong. <laughs> that was I'm just saying. But his rookie of the year campaign, I've yeah. never witnessed. Yeah, I, I think Ben should have won it. Um, yeah, Ben did win it. Yeah, I mean, I, going back, I still think he would. Like, yeah, no. Donovan's better now, but at the time it was clearly Ben. Somebody would meme that, and I don't know how he would react. To be honest, um, there would be some defense, defensive oh. issues with Tyrese and Donovan, but I'm sure the Sixers could get over that if Philly, they got the right. Philly would fall head over heels for Donovan Mitchell, man. It would mm-hmm. it would take two seconds as soon as the Woj notification hit the internet. Mm-hmm. Philly would be the biggest source of donovan mitchell love in the world so okay so anyway uriah's back welcome back uriah it, did you have to put benny in timeout he pooped ah uh, uh, that that dogs do that from time to time yes. oh gosh the amount of ben simmons jokes i want to make right now but i won't uh, anyway uh talking about ben trades and benny <laughs> anyway sorry Anyway, so I think on that note, unless Uriah, you want to throw in your picks for each one of these real quick. Did you, did you want to do that, or do you want to just wrap this thing up? Let's wrap it up. Okay. All right, John. Thanks again, man, for coming on. Um, congrats on the fantasy football championship. Yes, sir. Yeah, I mean, co- coincidental timing. I came on, or maybe I planned it, but uh, I oh, <laughs> just a gloat yeah. after Chris was talking all that smack before the season. I would like to point out that the week I talked smack, I won, but that's beside the point. I mean, I was eight and six going into the playoffs, <laughs> and just had a nice, nice run there. So I yeah. was six and eight and came in third. So I feel pretty good about that too. Yeah, good for you guys. I, my team wasn't very good. <laughs> I was also six and eight. I was and I traded eight. you a top tight end, Chris. What happened there, man? Uh, uh, he was fine. Uh, mm-hmm. Anyways. Yeah. Hey, Chris. <laughs> Chris, can you congratulate me on getting my, my win back from a tie? Oh, wait. It didn't happen yet. Oh, yeah. I, I'm going to do it as soon as we stop. Re- you want me to do it right now? This, while call, this whole I scandal. I will mute, mute myself. This whole scandal is called Lucas Gate. <laughs> <laughs>
Lucas Gate, he takes people's wins and he makes them ties, especially people who he's going against the week of. Changing rules. Yeah, I am fixing it now. Let me mute well, myself and do this so that you guys don't hear my keyboard. Lucas, they're going to remember this next year, too. I make one trade, and I can never live it down. Everyone's still <laughs> mad at me. There might be a new commissioner next year. I, I vote they're Jonathan. Vote you out, How about next year, me and Chris switch? I will do football, and he can do basketball. <laughs> I say Jonathan just take over both. Oh, I, trust, I love it. I, trust, I love it. No. I Jonathan. I, trust I don't know Jonathan. if I have the trust of the fantasy basketball populace <laughs> in our Slack right now. I feel <laughs> some negative energy towards my championship run last season. Yeah, Matt's not a fan. Uh, you know, haters are going to hate, as they say. <laughs> you know, when you're at the top, you it, it creates such an environment. But, um, yeah, I'm seven and six now, or six and six. It's not going as well this year. So I don't, I don't know. <laughs> thanks for coming on, John. <laughs> um, yeah, to all our listeners, as always, thanks for tuning in to yet another episode of the Six Your Sense podcast. As always, please like, subscribe, and follow along if you can on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Audible, or you can listen and read our stuff at our website, thesixersense.com. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Sixersense. And until next week, have a good one. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.